I remember Cipollini, and always there was the start of the race, perfect hair. Hey, podcast listener, you're listening to the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, the weekly podcast where we discuss all the issues that cyclists talk about. Whether you're out training, commuting, or just riding around, sit down and listen in, because we're about to begin. I got something to say, man. Yo-ho! Welcome to episode three of the Semi-Pro Cycling Podcast, where we believe that only a semi-pro cyclist can shower with their helmet on. If you stick around to the end of the show, I'll fill you in on the quote from the top of the show and let you know who dares to talk about Chippo's hair. The podcast, it is on iTunes. You can subscribe by going to semiprocycling.com and clicking on the iTunes picture. Thanks. Okay, let's get to the nuts and bolts. Increasing riding performance with music. But first, a quick disclaimer and a side note. I don't know about you, but I've always done it. Very early on in my riding career, a fellow rider pointed out to me that as long as I stick to the side of the road and I do head checks when needed, that I'll be fine, and that I'm essentially leaving just as much to fate as when I ride without headphones. Just so you know, in Australia there is no legal obligations against the use of headphones while riding a bicycle. If you're worried about safety, I'll present a few safer but not cooler options on how to listen to audio while you're on the bike in the tech hacks and products part of the show. A side note, sure, you can listen to other types of audio, but today the focus is on better performance from music. Just quickly, I find that listening to podcasts on short commutes or recovery days, typically on rides of an hour or less to be ideal, and audiobooks on aimless long rides where I can knock off an entire book on one five-hour long slow ride. Now, let's get to the real stuff. Today, I want to hit it from three angles. I want to hit it from training with music, training without music, and racing with music. Now, stay with me because I know it's illegal to race with music, so you'll just have to stick around to see what I'm talking about. Number one, training with music. Why do it and what are the benefits? First, I want to talk about why you'd want to listen to anything during a ride. We all know that this is for solo training rides because rocking up to a bunch with headphones just ain't semi-pro. So why would you want to enhance a solo training ride with music? I see it like this. Any way you look at it, the desired outcome of a building training ride is to ride as close to the prescribed effort as possible. And if the prescribed effort is some type of interval or set, HR or wattage, you want to complete each one knowing you are able to maintain it within a reasonable range. Otherwise, you're not training the correct system and it's a significant waste of time. Anything that enables you to do the prescribed interval sets is a massive advantage for a rider like myself that sometimes struggles to find motivation in the middle of the long intervals themselves, especially when I'm training alone and even more especially when I'm on the ergo. So I'm looking at ways to use music to make your training more effective for the same amount of time and perceived effort on the bike. There are three studies that I want to look at for this first area of training with music. The first one is where the aim of the study was to see if over a 25 minute period how far the participants could ride. The study was conducted at Virginia's Hampton Sydney College and it showed that fast-paced music increased heart rates and cyclists travelled on average 11% further when they were listening to music compared to when they weren't. That's a good sign and that points to the benefits, well the initial benefits of music and writing. The second study used dance music, 
crappy term, but we're talking about music which has a beats per minute of over 142. They used it in a 10k time trial and then a control group that didn't listen to music at all. The average speed, power, heart rate were higher in the group that had the music. An interesting part of this study is that while the output increased with the music, so did the perceived exertion. So in this case, improving the output and the overall experience for the rider. Number three, the study was the effects of music tempo upon submaximal cycling performance. So we're not talking about being totally on the rivet, we're talking about a controlled effort underneath your max. When the tempo slowed, this is talking about the music, when the tempo slowed, so did their pedaling and their entire effort. Their heart rates fell, their mileage dropped, and they reported that they didn't like the music much. On the other hand, when the tempo of the songs was up 10%, the men covered more miles in the same period of time, produced more power with each pedal stroke, and increased their pedal cadence. Their heart rates also rose. They reported enjoying the music, which was exactly the same music, but they reported enjoying it 36% more than when it was slowed. But, paradoxically, they did not find the workout easier. So, their sense of how hard they were working rose 2.4%. The up-tempo music didn't mask the discomfort of the exercise, but it seemed to motivate them to push themselves. As the researchers wrote, and this sums it up perfectly, the music was played faster, the participants chose to accept and even prefer a greater degree of effort. Boom. That's what we're talking about. If that is the only outcome as a rider, it would be great. But adding power as well, I think that's pretty amazing. And I think it really points to the benefit of actually listening to music while you're training. So can we link these studies to get more from intervals? I'd put it like this. The right tempo music matched with a similar effort can make a significant difference to your training performance. And It's not like it's working magic because you still have to be aware or you still are aware of your perceived effort. It's just that you want to go harder. I recommend trying VeloBeats podcast and seeing what happens for yourself. The VeloBeats podcast, if you're not aware of it, it's an up-tempo podcast with modern music tracks. You'll have to listen to yourself to see if you actually like the taste of music. But even if you didn't and you just listened to the beat and the rhythm of the music, It would be very interesting to see how you reacted to this in training, and I'd love to hear it. I'll put a link up to VeloBeats podcast um, in the show notes. So number two, training without music. Now, we've just heard that training with music can make a difference to your training output and perceived effort. So why would you want to train without music when you're on your own? Other than the fact sometimes I like training or riding my bike with no headphones because I want to hear the surroundings, I want to hear my breath, I want to hear the gears changing, whatever it is. The, I want, want to hear the entire package and I want to deal with my own pain in my own time or when I'm simulating race conditions. Now this is the important one for where I'm going to go and training under race conditions. There's a psychological theory called state-dependent learning or state-dependent memory, which it's a notion that learning and recalling are based on a physiological and mental state of an organism. It has been very clearly demonstrated that things learnt in one environment are best recalled when that environment is reinstated and, moreover, this implies equally to internal environments or states as it does to external environments. 
Now, you may think it's a bit of a stretch to use this theory in the setting of cycling training, but I believe it has some merit because I do all my race simulations with my own mind for company. I don't listen to music. When I'm doing this, I believe that I'm learning to alleviate and ride through pain, doubts, confidence, endorphins, whatever pops up in training, you know, the highs and lows of a race and learning how to actually deal with those. When I'm in training, I can recall them in the same situation that will help me get through tough situations in a race from previous tough sessions that I've done in training. I think this is a massive part of being a cyclist. Mental strength is huge and mental toughness to me is the difference between a good rider and a great one. While riding with music can maximize your prescribed training, I see learning to suffer in your own company with your own mind and your own doubts and fears or whatever, a very beneficial way to prepare for races and increase performance during races. So while we're on to increasing performance during races, let's move to number three, racing with music. I know it's illegal to race with music and I'm not suggesting that you cheat in some weird way. What I'm talking about here is, have you ever been riding along right up the top at your limit and a song pops into your head, but you cannot seem to shake it as far as you can't seem to move on to a verse or the rest of the chorus. It just seems one or two lines keep repeating over and over and over again in your brain. I know that people experience this. It's, uh, that's when I know I'm actually pushing hard enough. When my brain goes to mush and all I've got is a few words and sentences that that can repeat in my head and go over and over again. It helps me, and I didn't realize why it was helping me until I listened to this clip. So have a listen to it, and I'll discuss it after it. I read a quote by Oliver Sacks, uh, the, uh, uh, the neurologist who wrote a book, of course, called Musicophilia, and he said, uh, uh, neurologically, it makes no difference if you're listening to music or imagining it. So if you're thinking about a, a tune, it shouldn't make any difference or, as to whether you're actually hearing it. Well... When I work with athletes, auditory imagery is actually very important. You know that nowadays athletes are not allowed to use uh, music in the competitive arena. So what I've done with uh, a number of track and field athletes, for example, is that I get them to imagine a particular piece of music during an event. And this has a, a pacing function. So they, they synchronize their movements to the tempo of the music. Um, and this has a, an ergogenic or a work-enhancing effect. So I'm, I'm glad that you've raised that because um, imaging music is often just as effective into, uh, as, as listening to it proper in terms of neurological responses. Pretty interesting, hey? I would say that there's something in this, and I'd be interested in hearing other people's views on this part as well. The clip suggest to me that using a specific song in certain moments of a race can help your performance. In this case, the words as much as the rhythm would make a deadly combination. It is interesting to me that the rhythm that I usually end up with matches the rhythm that I'm riding in. So whether I'm riding up a hill or I'm time trialing or I'm in a breakaway or whatever the case, my brain always adjusts it to the conditions that I'm in. So I'm automatically creating this rhythm that I feel is helping me. And it's not always the words. It can just be the monotonous rhythm that kind of gets my brain off the pain, the shut up legs phenomenon. I think that you could actually train this further. I actually think you could train this further. Choose one or two songs that either mean something to you personally or something that has some inspirational words in it 
because it's going to be in a way it's an affirmation to fill the gap between where you are at currently in that race and where you could be. So where you believe you're at and then pushing you to a point where you actually can move harder and faster and bridge the gap or do whatever you can. Stick it out on the climb if you're starting to creep out the hoop or whatever, whatever it is. As an example, Kanye West's Stronger. It's a song that gets thrown a lot around in this literature as far as pretty strong affirmation that relates directly to what you're doing when you're doing a physical activity. So the next time you're putting a climb, here's the words. Now, that that don't kill me can only make me stronger. I need you to hurry up now because I can't wait much longer. I think that's pretty cool and I'm going to give it a crack next time I'm hurting on the bike. To wrap it up and to put it all into one neat package, here's what I've got from those three areas. If you're doing intervals, listen to music. Make sure the tempo matches the tempo of the riding that you're doing. If you're doing race prep or simulations, no music, a motivational or a personal song in your own head and see how you go with it. I would love to hear some feedback on this and what else you listen to to during a ride and, and what it does for your riding. Let's move to the tech hacks and products section. I'm going to get into the options for listening to music on your bike. I think I'm fairly experienced in the technology side of it as I've tried just about every way to listen to music. Let's see. I had a radio in the center pocket of my jersey and two speakers. Well, one speaker on, on either side. I've used first-gen MP3 players We're talking 10, 12 years ago now, where it had 10 songs that you listen to on repeat for a five-hour ride. How's that? Mini discs, iPods, and now iPhone. It's a standard for me. My headphone choice has always been the hardest part. I rode with over-ear around the neck style for a few years just because that's what I had. Uh, Then I moved to earbuds, iPhone earbuds, which are actually crap. The only advantage I found was that you could answer the phone and change tracks or whatever, the volume, change the volume. Now I ride with some passive noise-canceling earbuds, so they got the extra bit of rubber that pops it in and makes the music better and the cars disappear. Love me or hate me for that one. I wear it under my helmet strap, helps it to hold in place. For some reason, my left ear squeezes it out. Too much information, I know. And I feed it down my back and I cut a hole in every single jersey, a small hole at the middle pocket so I can just shove my phone in the back. I haven't had any problems with cutting a small hole, no tearage at all, so I recommend do it. Let's take a quick spin around what's on the market today. I thought I knew what was available, but as soon as you start looking into it, you realize there is people that are innovating. There are so many new ways to listen to music on bikes. The choice is just overwhelming. I had to narrow it down to six and six main kind of categories, and each of these categories has a few in them, but I'm just gonna give you the main examples. Number one, a plain old speaker with an adapter on your bike. You can get them with two gigabytes of memories, and they're actually the player themselves, so you load the music straight in and just blare it away. I don't get into that. I I don't think there's a benefit to pumping music. I think it would be quite offensive, and well, if you're listening to something personal like me, you don't want me blaring out while you're cruising down the bike path or whatever. That's the option. I'd skip it. I'll I'll put a link to all of these in the show notes so you can check out each version of what I'm talking about. Number two is an interesting one. It's kind of new. Adapted from military technology, it's now kind of moving into mainstream and retail. Bone conduction headphones. So bone conduction headphones, they sit in front of your ear on your jawbone. 
They need to be battery-powered and recharged, and they generally last about 15 hours or so from what I've read. There's no slippage, so they're not going to move, but the vibrations are moving through your jawbone, not actually through your ear, so it leaves your ears free to listen to the surroundings. I hear the music quality isn't so bad. It's not that they're going to send the vibrations straight to your jawbone and no one else is going to actually hear what you're listening to. They will if they're close to you. I think it's an interesting way. If you're not too concerned about audio quality and you're just trying to get an idea, then it could just fill your environment with music and you would still feel very safe about riding your bike anywhere at all. Number three... There's been some advancements or some people that are designing earbuds that will stay in your ear better. There is an example of these, the West One UMI headphones that were put together for one of the pro teams. I did notice Cavendish using them in his warm-up for the time trial in the tour the other day. I'll put a link in there. What is an interesting link that you can have if you're going to go all the way with earphones that block out most other noise? As a security backup, there is an app that you can use called Awareness the Headphone app. You put that before your music player, so you you turn it on and you set a decibel where the music cuts out. So if there's a a loud sound that your phone microphone recognizes whether it's a car horn or screeching if there's a decibel level that you can that you can identify that you want all surroundings then to be noticeable you just have to set that decibel level and it'll cut the music once it gets that warning i think that's a pretty interesting way to avoid major collisions if you're cruising around if you're cruising around a city for example so check that out i think it's pretty interesting i haven't tried it yet but i'm In my research, that's what I came up with. I'm going to actually get it and and, and give it a go. I'll get back to you on it. Number four, one ear only. So the idea behind this is just stick one earphone in your ear. It's just sticking the one earphone in your ear, leaving one free, whatever side you want to put it on. You can order left-specific or right-specific, overhook, in-ear. There's lots of options. It's a pretty smart way. It's taking the stereo signal and move it into one ear rather than just dropping one earbud from a st- from from a pair of earbuds. I'm interested to try this one. Uh, we'll see though. Number five, minimal ear or open headphones. Two options: Ear Hero, Air Drives. These are ones that still stick in your ear, but they're not closing or they're not going right in and closing off your actual ear hole. It's a similar idea to the bone conduction ones, just moving from a different spot. I would be interested to know the difference between the sound quality between these ones and bone conduction. Number six, mini speakers. So you have a Bluetooth unit on the helmet, and then if you can imagine on your helmet just above your ears, you have these mini speakers. They're, they're tiny. They're, they're essentially the same size as earbuds. Velcroed on, and they're facing down towards your ears. So they're just giving you a little party. In my mind, it's kind of the same as the speaker on the bike. Yeah, it's it's good practically. But basically, do you want other people listening to what you're, what you're listening to? That is the selection. I'll put them out there. You can all check them out. There's a ton more. Because um, there's other considerations to think about when you are choosing headphones, such as wind noise. Anyone with these open ears, they're going to battle when it comes to any wind noise over 35 k's an hour. I did find a product which is interesting, but no pro would ever wear, or no semi-pro would ever wear. And that's Slipstreams. It's basically a spoiler that you put on one of the front strap of your helmet and it deflects air around your ear. Interesting idea. Maybe it's good in theory, but you would not catch me wearing that shit. To me, 
the most semi-pro option that we've got here is the smallest earbuds that you can stick in your ear and hide from anyone. That's probably the option I would go for. That's why at the moment I got passive earbuds that go straight in there. They're tiny. I can I can funnel them down. You don't even know I'm wearing them. But, you know, that's just me. Alrighty. Now, let's get to the quote from the top of the show. It's Chris Horner talking about Chippo's hair back in the day, talking about how amazing it was when he would start with perfect hair every single race, and it wasn't until the last 10 kilometers when the heat is on that a domestic had to go back to the team car and bring up his helmet so he could do his final sprint. Pretty amazing stuff, but that is the man, that is Chippo, and I think it's pretty funny that Chris Horn is talking about it considering his hair situation, but don't get me wrong, I'm not hating on bald guys, because I think Bianca Reese used to rock baldness, I think he took it to a whole other level. I can't wait to be bald, man. That's what I'm looking forward to. It's going to give me the edge. I'm going to look Euro sick. But anyway, that's it. Till next time, get on your bike, enjoy the pain cave or the hurt box, whichever one you're into. (laughs) 